Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally. and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions this episode is hosted by nick and aditi who work in sales and business development across the asia pacific but first let's look at some news so nick what are some of the headline numbers and events that happen what caught your eye over the month yeah thank you aditi and, and welcome to all of our uh, listeners this year is certainly racing by look really another packed month full of news and events and reports so really exciting times in the sustainability and sustainable finance um space globally the first thing that really jumped out again without going into too many of the numbers because they're all generally very very green or very positive shall we say in that um all of really the volumes are up um considerably year on year if we look at green and we look at um sustainability linked bonds didn't really exist in the first half of last year so all the all the numbers are very positive they continue to come out so we'll concentrate and focus and do a little bit of a breakdown more um uh, maybe after the second quarter but just really ongoing great momentum that we're seeing in our business and across um really globally and um, the the next one that I think was really topical was the court verdict for Shell where one of the Dutch courts has ordered I'm sure to reduce its emissions by 45%, I believe by 2030. Yeah, landmark judgment. Yeah, absolutely. A landmark case and that will filter um through to maybe a lot of the other hard to abate sectors who are really looking at their decarbonization plans. Are they being robust enough? Are they being um quick enough? So let's see how that filters um through to the market and what we might see is some of the companies in those areas needing to accelerate what they're doing, requiring a need for financing. linking back to sustainable finance not saying that sustainable finance is straightforward for oil and gas but it might create that cycle of needing to um to speed things up so let's see there was also pretty interesting developments um in the US with uh, with Exxon and some of the shareholder action and change in board members there so you know we're really seeing this across the um across the board and let's see how that filters through to the broader market another thing which i really liked um Aditi over the the month was the IEA report now i haven't got the exact name on hand for that report but it was basically the net zero report from IEA that we've been waiting for for some months and i thought it was an excellent read it is over 200 pages so it's fairly detailed and in depth but it really has over i believe 400 milestones about how the world and how the global economy can can meet and get as close as we can to this net zero concept so lots of different things in there about the pathways to do that about electric vehicles about stopping you know additional oil and gas you know production uh, as soon as possible so really the key theme is it, there is a pathway it's a narrow pathway and we need to move much more rapidly you know straight away there's the talk about you know some really huge the, the amount of renewable investments that will have to come online just to get anywhere near the 2030 goals is considerable and is massive so the quantum needed the pace needed and all the steps along the way it's a really good read it's a bit of a heavy read and a and a sobering read but hopefully it also paves the way to the cop 26 conference later later this year um and as we know 
whether we truly believe everything or I should say believe agree with everything in the IEA's reporting, it is a key document and a key reference point that a lot of governments base their decision making on. So that's where the market's headed. Really good to see a lot of quite clear goals on what we need to do how we need to do it and some really clear milestones. So let's see how that's picked up and, and discussed further in, the, in COP, uh, COP26. Um, so do, uh, do check that out. The other small document I saw over the month that sort of got lost in, in some of the activity was the ICMA have been busy and released an overview and recommendations for sustainable finance taxonomies. So do have a look at that. It's all about you know, the building blocks, at least if we can use the same building blocks and, and concepts to build taxonomies, they will differ between regions. But if the languaging and the architecture is similar, I think that will really help. So that's a great reference in the market. Uh, we also saw ICMA say that they're working on further guidance for transition finance or, or the climate transition finance handbook. So do, uh, do look out for, for that. And in relation to that particular aspect, we're starting to see some transactions which actually have an assessment on the alignment as well as the underlying instrument to the set of principles of the market, adding the climate transition finance handbook. Sustainalytics um, worked on air liquid. We saw Newcastle ports in Australia have that assessment. So do check those out. I think the climate transition finance handbook, we're going to start to see used as an overlay to those transactions. We have a bit of a transition uh, flavor, at least on the link side, and then the transition label um, starting to really heat up, and hopefully we'll see some more things there. While we're talking about transition, Aditi, there's there's never a, a day that doesn't talk about transition when we look across at different things that are happening. We did see an article on environmental finance about transition bonds may not survive amid lackluster adoption. I think that might be a bit of an overreaction. I think at the end of the day, it's good to have diversity in the market, diversity of product. That then diversifies who can use those products. Maybe transition, the time hasn't quite come yet because it is a bit more complex and using that label and, and getting more consensus about what that exactly means. But I think sustainability link, user proceeds, different formats of that, using the ICMA Climate Transition Finance Handbook, you know, can all work harmoniously, coexist. And the more selection we have in the market, I think the better overall. There was an interesting market too. We've seen some challenges, I guess, to sustainability linked bonds. There was an article on Bloomberg from Nuveen, um, a major investor talking about the veracity and the, the robustness of some of the sustainability linked bonds that have come out. And what we always say is, you know, make sure the issuers and the banks are working on you know, robust transaction. We've got a very detailed methodology, which we're happy to send to to people and is available on our website. So do check that out. But I guess the one of the debates going on in the market, and it's not uncommon for scrutiny is good, debate is good, um, to keep seeing these, these different evolutions of products in the market and then what good looks like. And let's absolutely debate that, what good looks like, challenge the veracity, and hopefully they become better and better for some particular deals. And do check out our product backgrounder on that. Speaking of linked instruments, APLMA, the Asia-Pacific Loan Market Association, and also the LMA and LTSA, I won't go through all those acronyms because they're a bit tricky to rattle all those off, basically updated the sustainability linked loan principles over the month, which effectively made them mirror the sustainability linked bond principles. A couple of keynotes to that is more about calibration of targets, calibration of SBTs, and also really making it mandatory to seek external verification 
for the performance, whether a company's met its its targets or not. So I'm really pleased to see that. I think to have consistency about those linked instruments, to keep on raising the ante of what good should look like and how to demonstrate and show ambition, I think is really important for the overall health of that uh, market. So let's see how that spurs the structuring of further deals going forward. A couple of other interesting things, sustainable trade finance. It's something that we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but we're starting to see that more and more. MAS, uh, the Monetary Authority of, uh, of Singapore over the month, talked about a framework that they've released and a couple of banks using that framework already. I haven't been able to spot that exact framework online, but um, a really good development to see because I strongly believe that a lot of the the principles and concepts related to the, the, the loans and bonds and linked aspects of the sustainable finance market can be applied to trade, albeit in a slightly different way, given trade is different tenors and has, has a different sort of cycle to some of the other instruments. Um, it's good to see some more regulatory guidance, frameworks, deals getting done, and an area we'd like to see um, uh, and hopefully see grow more and more. A little bit back to the oil and gas theme we are starting to speak about before with Shell and Exxon and the IEA report. We did see a pretty interesting development over the month with ENI, a very large European-based um, oil and gas company, release a sustainability-linked finance framework. And that was one of the first ones from the, from the oil sector. Again, I'll let our listeners have a look through that and, and form a view as to how robust they believe that is. But I think it's, it's good that oil and gas companies are looking at some of these instruments. But again, it's all the de- always the devil's in the detail about whether it's net targets, whether it allows for uh, offsets, whether it incorporates um, scope three, and whether the company's continuing to do exploration. Put all that together uh, and come up with a view. But it's good that we're discussing it. It's good that we're seeing it. And hopefully there's more debate and more scrutiny on those so that when more companies, um, and whether they're oil and gas or from other sectors, come to market, we've got a pretty good and better and better idea of what good looks like or what good should look like. A couple more stories, Aditi, and then we can move through to our other sections on the podcast. But uh, CBI, our friends at Climate Bond Initiative, have been very busy over the month coming out uh, with reports on state of the market from last year. Post-issuance reporting report was, was excellent. Um, check that out and also an updated report about ASEAN and, and stimulus packages and, and green-related parts of, of building back better, uh, if you like. So that, I think, is the main things I, I spotted. The, the only last thing is just to note that the HKMA also issued some guidelines over the month with a similar to Singapore in that they've got a subsidy program now, more expanded subsidy program for some fees connected to um, GSS or green social sustainability bonds and linked instruments. So let's see if that spurs the market anymore. So um, there you go, Aditi. Lots caught my eye over the month. Lots of different things happening right through the, the globe. Lots of interesting trends. Yeah, plenty happening, that's for sure. That's great. That's great. So it's been an absolute bumper month of news and headlines with all the regulatory changes, principal updates, landmark judgments. So the month has been quite busy and you've summed it up quite nicely. What I wanted to check with you is, are there any particular transactions that you wanted to highlight or segments of momentum and growth in the market that you've seen? Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great question and leads us into the sort of the, at least the highlights in the first segment around what we've seen on the on the green side. Um, so again, this continues to be a challenge in our podcast, how much detail we go in because there's so much activity. So I'll, I'll try and paint a broad brush approach to lots of things that we've seen. In the first instance, on the largely on the green side, 
So starting with sovereigns that, that we have, we saw the Victorian government looking at issuing something, I believe, in green uh, format in Australia. Hong Kong tapped the market again. The UK finally getting close to uh, having something in place. We saw a bond from Pakistan um, as well. Kenya, we believe, are working on something. Germany, we believe, tapped the market again. And Andorra was also mentioned as well in relation to the sovereign. So let's see what happens there. There's a bunch of renewable deals which continue to be, you know, the backbone of the market. So we won't go into those, obviously, you know, solar, wind and other forms of renewables, you know, excellent, solid use of uh, use of proceeds. The banks continuing to come to market to fund their activities, Swedbank, um, EIB, Bank of Ireland, a whole, a whole range of banks going to, uh, to market. A couple of the other more interesting ones to note or um, maybe less, less common, common ones are Amazon went to market. So again, that builds on the theme we've seen recently, Alibaba, we've seen Google, you know, more and more tech type of companies coming to market with Amazon doing a sustainability bond. Um, and as mentioned before, Air Liquid also we, we saw, which was interesting to the extent that it was largely green, but also had a alignment that we worked on an assessment to the ICMA Climate Finance um, Handbook. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. It's a bit tricky on that name, but do check that one out. Back to the, the mainstays, I guess, property we saw, you know, Prologis tapping the market again, GLP, Fernando, all sorts of of property deals uh, getting done over the month. We also saw a couple of appliance companies, Beko and Grundig, go to market. We saw some construction companies. Uh, we saw um, Arla, again, on the dairy side, we talked about last year on the podcast. Rail, semiconductors, uh, NXP, again, tapping the market. Education from Stanford, um, you know, a few, few bonds getting done in the university space, particularly in Australia and recently in Singapore, so good to see there. Um, LG Electronics, we've seen data centers, Equinex. So I guess what I wanted to do this month, Aditi, was just highlight, yeah, the mainstays are there, but look at the diversification from dairy to rail to semiconductors to, you know, autos to agri-tech to, you know, even oil refineries, ports. Again, we saw um, Port of Newcastle talked about last month, Costco shipping ports, even some media companies. So just a bumper month in terms of the the diversity, I think, is the key message I wanted to convey on that for our listeners. Again, diversity in terms of the type of sector, but the types of things that companies are financing as well. You know, even as I look through my notes, you know, Kellogg, Kellogg as well, NUS University in, in, in Singapore coming to market. So really good to see that ongoing diversity of sector and then ongoing diversity of, of product as well. Yes, absolutely. It's been really interesting and diversity, as you mentioned, is the key here. So Nick, coming to social bonds, mostly in sustainability bonds with green and social, anything labelled in its own right this month? Yeah, there's a couple of things. We've sort of seen the trend of maybe less social getting labelled in its own right. But if you look at it, social continues to remain a very big part of the market, exacerbated by COVID and also a number of, of programs done in the EU last year, which will, uh, which will continue. A couple of things to note, I guess, in their own right. Caixa Bank, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong too, I always get these tricky ones, that in Spain did a social bond, and that taps into the theme of, we've seen a lot of specific social-only bonds from a number of banks recently, including a few of the American banks, uh, FENC, social bonds, and a Swedish social bond for some uh, social housing as well. So again, probably nothing too new in terms of the use of proceeds, but again, banks and, and the mainstays coming to market there. Green loans any room or mainly bonds? Uh, we know a smaller part of the market, at least in the label sense. 
Yeah, a couple of things. Again, probably nothing hugely earth-shattering, as they say, but look, good to see a couple of property deals. We saw KWA in Shanghai do something. We saw Red Sea Development Company, uh, I believe, in, in Saudi do a green loan. So good diversity of geography there. Um, also, Vena Energy in Singapore, and then also uh, Absa Bank and MPF Solar in Asia uh, as well. So a couple of things on the on the loan side, and that's good to um, good to see. Absolutely. Um, any SLPs to highlight over the month, Nick? Yeah, there's been a couple, and this was a you know a new segment some time back, but it's getting a bigger segment of the podcast, and and indeed our work actually. So a number of conversations throughout Asia about. Uh, link bonds. We've seen the market continue to diversify in terms of sector, in terms of geography. Our European and US colleagues continue to obviously talk about a lot of those type of um, transactions. A couple to note, I guess, was a few articles about, in particular, is it better to reward companies uh, with some discounts if they meet things? So the carrot versus the sticks if they don't meet something. I guess the debate will go on the best way to do that. Also on environmental finance, a little bit of discussion about whether the step-ups need to be more material. If everyone's just picking 25 basis points, you know, is that enough? Should it be more thought through? Another general comment, we saw an announcement um, in China that there was eight issuers or seven SLBs in, in China for a variety of different segments. We've got a team in China and had a little bit of a look at that, but um, a lot of it is in Chinese, which is not my perfect um, language to pick up information quickly. So. A variety of industries, not too much information available there, but look, it's a good sign that, again, geographic diversification, more SLBs getting done and the Chinese government wanting to promote that. So let's see if there's more transparency in particular frameworks, opinions connected to those or other um, SLBs in China uh, going forward. Hammerson launched a um, an SLB. They're in the real estate sector looking at uh, greenhouse gas targets and also tenant emissions in scope three directly control great to see some scope three creeping into some of these frameworks and, and targets another property deal for ubm as well generally focusing on ghgs per meter squared i believe another one we saw over the month was um, orbia which is a company in mexico they're an agri-based company uh, and producer and they're really focusing just on targets on, on socks or uh, sulfur oxide emissions so a little bit different to the the standard kind of um, CO2, but I guess GHG does pick up, you know, sulfur oxide and good to see someone or an issuer doing something a little bit different there. A couple more over the month, we saw a glassmaker go to market, Varelia, looking at scope one and two emissions and also recycling kind of rates in, into their um, production. We saw an engineering company, Weir, go to market that sustainalytics uh, worked on again focusing on ghg emissions we also saw one for the i should say avon or the body shop under natura um, group or natura and co i believe in brazil and actually brazil's done quite a few transactions if you look at the geographic split brazil sort of um, does um, does stand out focusing on ghgs there and we also saw limac port come out to market so a few more ports coming to market we we worked on that one and I believe connected to types of electrification of, of vehicles that assist in the um, in the ports there. So let's see how all of those transactions go. So yeah, SLBs. It's pretty pretty diverse too on that on that side of the defence as well. Absolutely. So Nick, as per our usual segment, we'll take any question from the listeners this month and uh, FAQ from listeners. Just remember to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. Yeah. So. 
I guess the first one in, in looking at the questions that have come through is really about, you know, what happens in a merger or a sale situation that's material if a company's done an SLB. Now, we've, we've commented a little bit on this in, in previous podcasts, but I would say, you know, we get that question quite a lot, definitely one for the lawyers, and we know a few good ones if anyone gets stuck on that one. But overall, I guess there's probably going to be a materiality threshold if, if you're selling some assets over a threshold or if you're acquiring assets over a threshold, you know, either keep the targets, report, um, as is, but also talk about the new ones. If, if it is a material change, you might have to update the targets or maybe some undertakings from the start of the of the bond's um, life or, or linked loan's life that it, it will cover a minimum of, I don't know, 70, 80% of emissions as example. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the market develops. It's probably too, too young to see too many variations automatically built into documents already. So let's see how that goes, but a couple of ways to to think through that. The other question was just about the combination of facilities or structures, I should say, with you know use of proceeds, maybe getting mixed with sustainability linked or transition and sustainability linked. You know, will that continue? And how are we noticing and seeing the use of the climate transition handbook from ICMA? So I think part A of that question, yeah, we are going to see more combinations. Some investors still like use of proceeds, some still prefer linked, combining them. You know, maybe that does drive that diversification of investor. Um, the other thing that I mentioned in the earlier part of the podcast is, yeah, I think the that handbook will be more of an add-on to SLBs, SLLs, you know, in harder to abate sectors. You know, that's a pretty well-structured way to address the issues in the handbook and seek an, a confirmation of an alignment to that. And likewise for transition, our approach, transition use of proceeds based and then part of the issuer considerations for that is to look at the strategy or how we look at the strategy to be in line with how the markets or the consensus is brewing to looking at those core components of strategy is, is the handbook basically. So yeah, watch that space and I think we'll start to see analysis and sign-offs of alignment to that more and more. Speaking about SLLs, Nick, they grew a lot over the month with a bumper new crop of deals announced. Any in particular you would like to mention or give a bit of an overview as to what we are seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So again, a, a bit of a, you could say maybe a mini smorgasbord for, for SLLs. So um, C-SPAN coming to market that we've worked with a few times with another SLL. Polymetal in Russia, I believe, if I'm not wrong, looking at an SLL connected to greenhouse gas um, scope one and two. And, you know, metals, we're going to see more. A lot of metals we still need in the low carbon economy. So selective deals uh, for the better companies in that field, I think we will see. an interesting trend that we're seeing now is more um, funds coming to market. So there was a environmental infrastructure fund, JLEN, come to market um, and seek a sustainability link loan. So we've started to see some different types of funds come to, to market and maybe that trend um, continues. So apart from those couple of deals, the um, clothing firm, Joles, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, J-O-U-L-E-S, a, a little $25 million um, sustainability linked loan, looking at things like employment engagement, use of materials, and also GHG as well. Be interesting to see what's behind that engagement score and, and how robust that calculation is. Uh, we've seen a deal for Norreco, a Norwegian energy firm, looking at some redevelopment of some North Sea gas fields. Not sure how that would rate on some of our scales, but um, KPI is focused on emissions intensity and renewable electricity generations. You know, some good some good areas for that one. 
And maybe just to, to finish off, we also saw a coffee firm, Sukafina, uh, and I'm sure there's a much better way to, to say that. But again, AgriSpace, they do some roasting of coffee um, and good to see looking at KPIs, increasing the number of certified farmers, some capacity building there, carbon footprint, um, and also deforestation in some coffee producing countries as well. So really good to see some agri coming to market who have a variety of different types of issues. Absolutely. Anything of particular note for transition, even though you've covered a lot of it already via the headlines, but while at it, any new label products that caught your eye over the month? Yeah, very briefly, I guess transition, I guess the key news was that IEA report, and then we're seeing some of these more interesting bonds come out, you know, oil and gas sector, E&I and, and the like. Um, just a couple of things. We saw Malaysia come out with a transition taxonomy or principles around that. So I guess for, for transition, in order for that to grow, we want to really see as much as we can what good looks like, reference points. The more reference points, the more robust they are. Hopefully, the more labelled transactions will come out. And as I mentioned before, we also saw Port of Newcastle and Air Liquid, again, in Air Liquid's case, um, green, but having the add-on in terms of the climate transition handbook, uh, and also Port of Newcastle doing green and another linked loan, adding that uh, climate transition handbook. So yeah, some um, some interest there. And, and just to, to jump in there as well, um, Aditi, in terms of some labelled and called sustainable products over, over the month, nothing incredibly new. Um, although we did see ICMA come out with a guidance paper, or I should say consultation on repos, so shorter tenor type instruments in the market, HSBC rolling out some green mortgages, um, a little bit of discussion on cat bonds, so catastrophe bonds, more of a contingent type payout, you know, weather derivatives, those sorts of things. Let's see as the whole market starts to grapple with um, derivatives and to the extent that derivatives should be um, connected to sustainable finance or not. And as I mentioned before, a little bit more on trade finance, a couple of articles about different deals that were done, different frameworks that released. So more noise on trade finance in a positive way, which is good to see. Great. Lastly, Nick, uh, since we're nearing the end of this segment, any interesting country or regulatory news over the month? Yeah, always a tricky one to try and summarize the amount of different things happening in, in countries and then regulations. We could probably do a whole podcast just on what's happening in the EU, but I won't even try to comment too much apart from, you know, EU continuing to progress with, you know, taxonomy and releases and, and more focus. I think there's a whole bunch of webinars and the platform for sustainable finance connected to the EU taxonomy starting to really ramp up and focus on usability and education connected to that, which, um, which is good. A couple of firsts and just things to note very briefly in a few countries. Turkey doing a um, one of their first corporate bonds. Um, good to see. A lot of articles about China, the long march to net zero. It's hard to keep up with all the news that's happening there, but good to see momentum. Japan published their version of the ICMA Transition Finance Climate Handbook, and I'm sure I'm mixing up those words. So apologies to our listeners or anyone from ICMA that I keep getting that um, forward or backwards. So pretty similar to what ICMA um, has, but good that the FSA in Japan are really taking a progressive look at, at transition. And I think Japan could probably be a world leader in some of the transition, some of the companies they have there, very leading in that space. A couple of things, dedicated segments from Taipei Exchange, some pretty lofty forecasts for what's happening in Thailand. Again, that's a great market that we've worked with a lot of really interesting issuers um, and Thailand rating pretty well on um, ESG scores and some really interesting corporates there. Um, Philippines just being really supportive of sustainable finance in, in general. 
and also uh, the pickup really in uh, in India, which is part of the reason why our listeners are hearing um, a new voice on our team in uh, Aditi, <laughs> which is um, we'll have to do a um, a special edition just on India, the way things are going there, Aditi. So lots of really positive news coming out of India, lots of interest, a few more transactions have, have been done and certainly hopefully to come. So all in all, lots happening in countries, a little bit continuing to happen, or I should say a lot happening on, on the regulatory side, so another big month. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. That was very insightful. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter handle at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.